What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It's that time. Lock and load. The Michael Berry Show is on the air. Oh, yes. You know what that means. It's Friday. Stop worrying about what you're worrying about. Just relax. We're going to spend a few hours together. Put it all back into perspective. Take a deep breath. Let it out. Let this roll over you. so good to start the Friday off right oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. 
I look forward to my oh happy day. And I hope you do too. Our dear friend Ramon Robles is uh, at the doctor today, so he won't be joining us. He had uh, he had low uh, a low temperature and uh, was feeling dizzy, so he went to get checked out. I know a lot of you have his cell phone number. Please don't text him your well wishes until we know he has left out from all those tests because. When I mentioned him in the past, his phone blows up, and he was at the doctor's office at one point, and uh, he didn't know if something was wrong with his son, and he had to check his phone and all that. So uh, we appreciate your well wishes, but send those uh, in a few hours once I tell you he's out of uh, testing for those of you who are kind enough to send him a message. So uh, keep our dear friend Ramon Robles in your prayers. Hopefully it's nothing, um, and we'll... We'll hope for the best. How about that? We will hope for the best. It is Friday. The lines are wide open. 713-212-5874. 713-212-5874. And to get us started, as we always do, courtesy of executive producer Chad Nakanishi, your Week in Review. After setting fresh records on Friday. Stocks on Wall Street closing higher for a fourth straight week. Another strong day for stocks. Traders came back from a three-day weekend to set a new batch of records. So $10,000 invested in the S&P 500 on Election Day would be worth about $10,989. The announcement that Milo Yiannopoulos would be speaking at CPAC was immediately met by outrage from many conservatives. Appearance of the upcoming Conservative Political Action Committee has been canceled. Appeared to condone sex between men and young teenagers. Boy. The things he's saying are not conservative anyway. Bashing the media doesn't make you a conservative. Are you aware what the name of his tour was? Who would believe this? Sweden. They took in large numbers. They're having problems like they never thought possible. Two days after Trump's remarks were ridiculed, riots broke out in a mostly migrant neighborhood in Stockholm. You cannot appease yourself out of this problem. You simply can't do it. An incredible act of heroism likely saved the life of a Baton Rouge officer. Grabbed the officer's baton and started beating him in the head. Unable to reach his radio, he tried to flag down passing cars. It was 56-year-old Vicki Williams Tillman who finally stopped. Vicki Williams Tillman, we are honored to have you on the Michael Berry Show. Placed my hand on the suspect hand, grabbed him, jumped his back because I wasn't going to let another person in blue go down. Democratic National Committee members are meeting in Atlanta to select a new chair. Top candidates represent distinctly different directions for the party. Candidates for DNC head includes Wisconsin attorney Peter Pekersky. That's the one I want right there. I want Peter Pekersky because I'm eight years old at heart. His name is Peter Pekersky. You think you got it back? Go ask the Indians. How would you like to be called an Indian because you were discovered on the American continent? Yeah, we could be calling you Czechs. Japanese. Why what is it? Well, we thought we were in Japan. We were in Czechoslovakia. Sorry. Lines are open. 
Today is National Skip the Straw Day. Skip the Straw Day. Lindsay Lohan will instead use a rolled up $20 bill. Bette Midler said today's high would be 82, partly sunny, with a 30% chance of locusts. She's very concerned. The end times are near. Oscars this weekend. Chris, you going to watch the Oscars? If you Pro tip, if you see Ashley Judd walking down the red carpet, don't freak out. The carpet is actually red. Country singer Sammy Kershaw is 59 today. George Thorogood is 67. Seems like he should be older than that. Doesn't it? Barry Bostwick is 72. Rupert Holmes is 70 today. Edward James Olmos is also 70. It was on this day in 1969 that Johnny Cash records Johnny Cash at San Quentin, including a boy named Sue. All right, Open Line Friday. Your call is coming up next, 713-212-5874. If you can't say something nice, you can always say it on The Michael Berry Show. Yeah, Rupert Holmes turned 70 today. He said if he'd known that people were going to be sending him pina coladas every time they recognized him, he would have made it bourbon and coke. (laughs) You know the look when you make eye contact with that person that sent you the pina colada and you don't actually like pina coladas? They... They're waiting on, they're waiting on you because they sent you a pina colada because they know it's you, Rupert Holmes, and you're happy. They're happy that they know it's you, and so they sent you a pina colada so they can make eye contact and you lift it up and give them. Oh, you th- thanks. I was, I was drinking bourbon over here. <laughs> they meant well. It's not their fault. All right, before we go to the phone calls, real quick, the Dakota Access Pipeline. You probably know what happened there. The Little white, rich, spoiled kid protesters set up camps there, and uh, they don't want the pipeline. They're not sure why. It'll be bad for the earth, and it'll be bad for the area. So they abandoned their camp and left an awful slum in its wake. And then they went back the day before they were required to leave or they'd be arrested, and they burned it all down, Mm, which is nice. Well, it turns out the protesters and thugs fighting the Dakota Access Pipeline have hurt business at the Stand Rock Sioux Tribes Casino. The tribe's Prairie Nights Casino and Resort reportedly has taken a $6 million hit amid the turmoil stemming from the protests, thanks in part to agitators who blocked roads, forced the closure of the backwater bridge after setting it on fire, and left tons of garbage in their wake. The tribe says they have undertaken a PR campaign to lure people back to the hotel and casino. Coming this weekend to the Sioux Tribe Standing Rock Casino and Resort. 
It's a full weekend of Native American-themed fun and excitement. You want live entertainment? We've got live entertainment. Performing live on stage this weekend at Sioux Tribe Standing Rock Casino and Resort, it's the stand-up comic talents of Sinbad. See Sinbad like you have never seen him before on stage at an Indian casino. Ladies, if you're married, you got a man. When you got your man on top of you, who gonna take out that garbage? Daddy gonna take out that garbage. Hungry? Stop by the Savage Engine's All-You-Can-Eat Buffet. Featuring four different kinds of sacred grilled meat, plus the chocolate fondue waterfall. But best of all, do you know what won't be at the Sioux Tribe Standing Rock Casino this weekend? No white man protesters. That's right. Those good-for-nothing college-age protesters have packed up their things and returned to the liberal arts colleges where they came from. So join us this weekend at the Sioux Tribe Standing Rock Casino and Resort for plenty of gaming. The Savage Engine's All-You-Can-Eat Buffet. The comedic styles of stand-up comic Sinbad. And absolutely no pipeline protesters. Get out, finger pop it to the break of dawn. Keep it rocking like the stuff that we call me. Hop out of popcorn. You just give a hop a dip a pop a bang the book. You're wicked, bet you want a boogie again. And you can put me to the test at your request. I rock you out of your moccasins. Kimasada got down, took off his mask. He kicked off the shoes and did the monster mash. Tunnel came along, saw what was to the phone lines. We go, Bobby, you're up. Go ahead, sir. Bobby. Oh, yeah, I didn't hear you. I heard static there for a second. I had a question for you, Mike, on this uh, stuff you they're going to use to poison these hogs with. Yes, sir. How is that going to uh, affect the deer? Because with my experience, you know, I bow hunt in East Texas for hogs and deer. And uh, how is that going to – most of the bait that you use for hogs, the deer will eat, too. So, yeah. you know – that, what are they going to do to stop that? Say my neighbor across the fence poisoned his hogs or four hogs. Right, and the deer coming through. I, you know, I don't know, Bobby. Uh, the, the, I, I'm going to begin to speculate, but on the basis of no knowledge and not anywhere near any expertise. But from what I have read, and I've read a few different stories, warfarin or warfarin, however you pronounce it, the the product that is used is supposedly an a blood thinner that humans can take but that will kill a hog so it's not a poison per se the way a uh, rat poison would be or say an ant poison it is a it's effectively a drug as i understand it, it would be like a pharmaceutical drug that would cause them death on the basis of the effects of it. it. I mean, it sounds to me like a massive dosage of baby aspirin. And I take baby aspirin every day, and I'm sure many of you do as a blood thinner. What I don't know is the effects it has on uh, the deer population. Fact is, I don't know the numbers, but I can guarantee you that the deer population is of much greater value to Texas wildlife, Texas Parks and Wildlife than the hog problem. And the hog problem can be solved or dealt with on a certain level 
but you don't want to affect deer hunting in the state of Texas because this is big, big business. So I don't know. I, I will tell you that we tried to get Billy Higginbotham on the line, and he said he will come on and talk about it, but he still had some questions for the company uh, making the product and how it was going to be applied. And until he could feel comfortable answer, with, with answers to those questions, he didn't want to speak about it. The company claims that uh, the Texas uh, was it AgriLife Extension Service, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, that they have blessed the product. So, you know, I'm going to trust that those guys are pretty smart and that their understanding of the ecosystem is going to be far in advance of the rest of us. And we all have our own interests. You know, the Texas Hog Hunters Association came out against it. Well, <laughs> Whose ox is getting gored here? Obviously, they're going to come out against it because if farmers have a product that they can simply apply or hire someone to apply that's not terribly expensive and you can eradicate your your hog population at least for some period of time, then they're not going to they're not going to let the hog hunters come in. And if you're a guide, an outfitter who's running hog hunts, you're not going to be very happy about this. You know, I don't think hog hunting is going to go away in the state of Texas because it doesn't matter how you apply the product and what it does. The best you're going to do is beat back the population anyway because they breed so fast and they move across so many different properties. But I think that it's reached the point now where it's costing enough money and creating enough frustration that it's, you know, to guys like me, it's funny because it's just an, uh, somebody says – Y'all have a hog problem on your on your ranch. No, we have a hog opportunity because all we do is shoot them. We're not trying to make we're not trying to make a living. But you got some big farms and operating uh, uh, operations around us for people that that do. I mean, Nolan Ryan's got five thousand acres in Gonzales where all the Nolan Ryan beef is made. I mean, I'm sure things like this annoy them, but for me, it's 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 funny because I like to. We like to shoot them, and we. I get a, I get a, a screenshot from my buddy Jerry, and he'll he'll send one every couple of days when it's when it's fuller than usual, and you see how many hogs are on there. But the short answer is I don't know the answer to your to your question, and I suspect we'll have an answer shortly. I can't imagine that Parks and Wildlife is going to allow them to is is going to license a product to to be to be applied in the state of Texas. That's going to hurt the deer population. I, I would be. I just don't believe they're going to do that. Michael Berry Show.
To the phone lines we go. AT, you're up. Go. Yes, sir. Michael, there's a there's a solution to this wild hog uh, uh, situation, man. I've got a freezer full of wild hog right now. I've got several friends that trap these hogs. They take them in. They The butchers come in and butcher them, process them, wrap them. There's a huge demand for wild hogs in Europe. But they don't want the FDA and our government just will not allow this to happen because they're they're afraid that it will jeopardize the commercial pig and 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 uh, beef industry here. But there's these man th- these are just regular hogs that have gone wild. I mean it's just just like what you buy in a grocery store somewhere. They're just feral hogs. I mean you can't get any more organic than a wild hog. And I'm telling you that's that is a, that's the solution, man. Not poisoning them, trap them, process these these hogs and sell them. I mean, there's a huge demand for this over in Europe. And, and again, like I said, I've got several friends that do this. I mean, they make a living doing this. No, and I understand that. But if the point is that you're going to send the uh, uh, you're going to send it to Europe, who's going to who's going to send the product from Texas to Europe? These guys. I don't. I don't know. I don't know all of the ins and outs. These are just what my buddies have told me. I mean, they've they've made a living trapping these hogs. They've got to be live. But yeah. they trap them, and they haul them over there, and then they call in butchers, butcher them, process them, freeze them, and ship them overseas. Well, um, okay, and and I understand that. But when you talk about commercial operations, that's a pretty inefficient concept that you're going to go out and individually kill them and then butcher, and then even if you trans, even if individuals transport them to the butcher, uh, you're going to have to have a commercial operation if you're going to send them in big numbers. If, if you're going to make a, a big enough of a dent, you're going to have to kill a lot of hogs. And that means you're going to have to have central kitchens where these things are butchered, right? Who's going to control what happened to that hog from the time he was trapped or killed and brought it to the butcher? All of these are great ideas, and I'm all for it, and I'm not a big government guy. But when it comes to the food chain, we do have expectations as to how our food was handled. From the moment it's in the wild till the moment it ends up on our plate. And if we want to relax those standards, that's fine. But it wouldn't take long until some hog that's got some wasting disease, or I don't know if they even even get those, but he gets some, uh, what's the one? It's not salmonella that they get. And and you contaminate the food supply. And before you know it, every nobody wants that cheap uh, feral hog anymore. I, I agree. If there, if you could create a market where you could kill these things and profit from it, then you wouldn't have any of these problems. But I tell you what would happen is somebody would figure out how to breed these things and cut them loose. Somebody would, would figure out how to create it in short order. Once you solve the problem, somebody would still want to make a buck off of it and try to figure figure that out. I, I don't know. I can't imagine how you can provide a cheaper uh, piece of pork than a commercial uh, farmer unless somebody preferred the product that, that much more. And I'd be surprised if that's the case. But, hey, uh, they slaughter horses in the state of Texas and send it to France. So what do I know? People have odd tastes. Greg, you're up. Go ahead. Hey, Michael. Um, listening to you through the um – you know, the campaign season, both the primary and the general. I just, uh, I'm just curious. I, I, you know, there's some days I want to jump through the radio at you, but um, I'm just curious. Are you any any bit surprised in any direction about uh, the last three or four weeks? Uh, surprised. 
Uh, I am impressed. Okay. Um, well, I'm, I, well let, let me answer your question better. Uh, Trump has done what he promised he would do. My problem with Trump is two things. Some of his promises were not conservative, and I didn't care for those. And the other promises that were, I felt, were not heartfelt. And um, I didn't think he would live up to them, and he has. So on the latter, I've been very impressed that he's put his political capital on the table. They're not sub. He hasn't created blue ribbon committees of a bunch of rich guys who chair the committee and have meetings and talk about what they're going to do. And I mean, he's gotten it done. He 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 rolled up his yeah. sleeves. He started working to find solutions quickly. And they may have jumped the gun on a couple of them, but the way they've done it is they forced the issue. Yes, very impressed. Um, I still sometimes wish he wouldn't conduct himself the way he does, but uh, you know that's a tone issue more than it right. is uh, uh, content. So yes, he has far exceeded anything I ever expected. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm a I'm a small businessman, and, and you you of course um, some of your discourse over the time. Of course, I was I was Ted Cruz all the way. If he'd have gotten a nomination, I couldn't have been happier, but. You know, then once that didn't happen, you you caused me a great bit of concern because you know the guy's history is is what it is, and and if he reverted to that, then you know we we had a showman in the White House, and so I, I I've been impressed also and, and a little bit surprised because again, even though I um, didn't like hearing some of the things you had to say, you caused me some concern and you know for my business and other you know personal issues as well. And yeah, he's still got a lot of stuff on his agenda that aren't conservative, and we'll see how he rolls those out. I guess. If Listen, he rolls them out. if if he if he makes a serious dent in, there are only a couple things that really matter, and none of the rest matters for to me. Is if he can repeal and replace, if he can repeal Obamacare, if he I, I, the replacement I'm less concerned about. If he can repeal Obamacare, if he can, if not stop then seriously stem the tide of illegal immigration. If he can seriously make a dent on the number of unvetted individuals coming in who might possibly be related to – who might be agents of terror, if he can peel back the regulatory framework and let the – and let our economy go and and open up drilling again, if he can do those five things – he can call the the press a bunch of ninnies and it won't matter. He can call them silly geese and it won't matter because it will have been a huge success and people will go back to work and I think they'll reward him. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. And so I just put that on the Michael Berry Show. <laughs> Michael Berry Show.
Democrat National Committee members will be in Atlanta this weekend to elect a new party chairman. Keith Ellison has racked up the most congressional endorsements. He is also a member of Congress, black Muslim, and uh, the guy I most want to win because he will be awful for their party. They need 222 out of 447 – I'm sorry, they need 224 out of 447 votes. They haven't had an open race for the chairmanship since 2005 because the chairman is typically the president's choice if the president is Democrat. And uh, we shall see how it goes. I my, my second choice would be Idaho Democrat Sally Boynton Brown – She's a white woman, and she says... My job is to listen and be a voice. And my job is to shut other white people down when they want to interrupt. My job is to shut That's other right. white people right. down when they want to say, oh, no, I'm not prejudiced. I'm a Democrat. I'm accepting. My job is to make sure that they get, that they have privilege. Oh, yeah. Y'all need to know y'all got some privilege. My job is to listen and be a voice. And mm. my job is to shut other white people down when they want to interrupt. Mm. My job is to shut other white people down when they want to say, oh, no, I'm not prejudiced. I'm a Democrat. I'm accepting. My job is to make sure that they get that they have privilege. Yep. They need to know it. <laughs> order in the committee. The 2017 DNC chair vote is about to commence. Do we have all the candidates present? Present. Present. Here. I mean present. Very good. Now, before voting begins, would each candidate like to say a few words? Yes, uh, if elected, I promise to race bait more than any other candidate. If elected, I pledge to make sure only the most marginalized special interest groups are represented. If elected, I promise to get really offended about everything and overspend our annual budget every year. Hmm. Hey, wait a second. What? What's wrong? I think I just realized why we lost the last election. So... February 24th is the day that William Barrett Travis wrote the famous victory or death letter from inside the Alamo, which he addressed to Americans all over the world. He had a big vision. Ted Cruz read that letter on the floor of the Senate. This letter was written February 24th, 1836. And it begins as follows, to the people of Texas and all Americans in the world, I am besieged by a thousand or more. I have sustained a continual bombardment and cannonade for 24 hours and have not lost a man. The enemy has demanded a surrender at discretion. Otherwise, the garrison are to be put to the sword if the fort is taken. I have answered the demand with a cannon shot. 
and our flag still waves proudly from the walls. I shall never surrender or retreat. Then I call on you in the name of liberty, of patriotism, and of everything dear to the American character to come to our aid with all dispatch. If this call is neglected, I am determined to sustain myself as long as possible and die like a soldier who never forgets what is due to his own honor and that of his country. Victory or death. Signed, William Barrett Travis. Which of the two Alamo movies is your favorite? The original, John Wayne? I'm going to tell you something, Black, and I want you to listen tight. It may sound like I'm talking about me, but I'm not. I'm talking about you. As a matter of fact, I'm talking about all people everywhere. When I come down here to Texas, I was looking for something. I didn't know what. It seems like you had up my life, and I'd spent it all either stomping other men or, in some cases, getting stomped. Had me some money and had me some medals, but none of it seemed a lifetime worth the pain of the mother that bore me. It was like I was empty. Well, I'm not empty anymore. That's what's important, to feel useful in this old world, to hit a lick against what's wrong or to say a word for what's right, even though you get walloped for saying that word. Now, I may sound like a Bible beater yelling up a revival at a river crossing camp meeting, but that don't change the truth none. There's right and there's wrong. You got to do one or the other. You do the one and you're living. You do the other and you may be walking around, but you're dead as a beaver hat. Mm. Republic. I like the sound of the word. It means people can live free, talk free. Go or come, buy or sell, be drunk or sober, however they choose. Some words give you a feeling. Republic is one of those words that makes me tighten the throat. Same tightness a man gets when his baby takes his first step or his first baby shaves and makes his first sound like a man. Some words can give you a feeling that Make your heart warm. Republic is one of those words. That's strong right there. That's strong. Tony, I just got a minute. Go. Oh, how can you not like that? John Wayne's a classic. Uh, That was great. Uh, Real quick story about that. My dad took me to see the Alamo when I was a young kid. About a week later, I saw uh, John Wayne in another movie, and I I was all looked perplexed, and I looked at my dad, and I said, Dad, I thought he died in the Alamo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a funny thing when you're a kid, and you take those characters so seriously, and then you see a character. I remember seeing Han Solo, and I never saw the uh, Indiana Jones, so it, it must have been a promo or trailer for that, but... I remember seeing Harrison Ford in a role outside of Han Solo, and it just, it just, it was just wrong as two. Well, it was wrong, and I, I it just, it just didn't feel right. And even though I watched Gandhi much later, when I was learning about India while dating my wife, we sat down and watched Gandhi, and to later see him in other movies, it just, just, just not right. All right, callers, if you'll hold with me. 
I'll get to you straight out of the break. It's Open Line Friday, 713-212-5874. The boys from the rodeo were just here. The fourth annual World Championship Barbecue Contest starts next week. Chris, I got to get my liver ready. It's that time. Lock and load. The Michael Berry Show is on the air. I'm not joking. This is a headline that the Associated Press sent out this morning. Anti-Semitic graffiti made out of human waste found in gender-neutral bathroom at the Rhode Island School of Design. (laughs) I can't keep up with all the things that are going on in there. All right, so somebody hates Jews, so they smeared poo in the unisex bathroom at the Rhode Island School of Design. That's that's your translation. Translation. There you have it. Anyway, so the boys at uh, the rodeo, the uh, barbecue contest committee swung by. I think they must. Were they on with Matt this morning? Do you know? Okay, they were on with Matt Patrick at KTRH. Um, they've been supporters of our show since the day we started. The whole rodeo. I got to say, for those of you who are new to Houston and. Our state adds about a thousand people a day. You need to go. You need to go to the rodeo. It is not uh, the prison rodeo in the small town where you grew up, where you're sitting in the bleachers. Uh, which, I, by the way, I love that type of rodeo. This is a this is the world's largest rodeo. But more important than that, this is. This is the thing that brings our community together. And I encourage you to go out and experience it. And the beginning of it, and to me, the, the a lot of the flair, because this is this isn't where the superstar musicians are, although there will be there will be really good musicians. This isn't concert driven, this first part. This is the part where you'll walk along and there'll be tents. And each tent is a different team. And a lot of them will be from Houston, but they'll Orange County, all the counties around Texas, a lot of the counties around Texas will send a team and they'll all set up there. And it's just, it's just, it's this fun annual ritual that, that is a big part of, uh, of our community. And they do a lot of good. And the neat thing is, if you're on a, the, the rodeo is the most, democratized social event in town because you'll see a CEO or a federal judge or an appellate court judge working the ticket booth and, you know, taking your ticket because that's their role on that committee. And so you, you take off all the, the, the veneer and you, you check your ego at the door. It's a really neat thing. Anyway, it starts next Thursday, five to 11 Friday, noon to 11 Saturday, 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. So I will probably – we usually go out that first 
Thursday um, and stagger around uh, and go to all the tents. So if you have a tent, you uh, send me an email through our website, michaelberry.com, or you can send it to michaelberryshow at reagan.com. And tell me the person's name and the your name and the tent name and if you know the tent number. I don't know if y'all know the tent numbers yet or not because I will uh, be gathering together a group like we always do and go uh, walk around. It's a lot of fun. It's uh, as I said, it's an annual tradition, an annual ritual. Last year they had uh, well two years ago they had two hundred thirty-two thousand people. Uh, in attendance last year, they had two hundred forty-seven thousand people at the cook-off last year. They served thirty-six thousand eight hundred seventy. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully, it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by thirty percent in twenty twenty-three. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Two free plates of barbecue. Wow. It's all at NRG Park. Get there early. Prepare to park and walk a little bit. They have a uh, Rodeo Express shuttle bus. Uh, the Metro Park and Ride, you can go to ridemetro.com. The easiest thing is they, they have an app, and the easiest thing is just go to the rodeo's website and spend a few minutes there and figure out exactly what you're doing. Let's see who they got playing over here. All right, Thursday night. Now, they'll have other shows going on inside. Thursday night, they got DJ DU and then No Dry County and then Rich O'Toole. And then Friday night, they got DJ DU starting at 3.30, then uh, Bree Bagwell, then Mike and the Moon Pies, and then Corey Morrow. And then Saturday, they start off with DJ DU. It might be DJ Do. I don't know. It's DU. Capital D, capital U. Don't laugh, Chris. I don't know. Then Flatland Cavalry, then Zane Williams from 2 to 3.30, Jesse James Decker, then the Marine Band from 6 to 6.45. Then the Contest Awards presentation. And then Roger Kreger from 7.45 to 9.15. And then Shooter Jennings and Waymore's Outlaws. That's uh, next Saturday. Let's see here. I'm just making sure I didn't miss anything. Uh, media assistance, parking and rack, carnival. The carnival will be open from, uh, well, basically all of those hours. And the Rockin' Barbecue Saloon is also open. Um, anyway, barbecue uh, cook-off starts next Thursday. And if you're new to Houston or you've never been, obviously, if you've been before, I don't have to tell you. I just have to remind you that it's coming up. But if you're if you're new to Houston, this is an experience. Put on your boots. Put on your jeans. Put on your your uh, your biggest belt buckle. Put on your Western shirt and your cowboy hat and just – you don't have to know anybody. Just go out there and walk around and observe. It's some of the best people watching you will watch, Lynn Zerline. It is absolutely fantastic. It is a Houston tradition. There is revelry to be had. I would encourage you not to drive. I would encourage you to uh, to take Uber or use uh, use a designated driver 
and you will not regret it. And a lot of the money goes to scholarships. The thing I like most about the whole experience is not just when the rodeo is going on, but when it's not going on uh, year-round, they provide scholarships, and they encourage young people to get into agriculture. They encourage young people. You know, uh, Kevin Williamson wrote a piece for National Review, and it basically, if you want to drive a Lamborghini, learn to drive a tractor. It was talking about he he's in he he's the uh, poet laureate of uh, Houston now. It was talking about um, you know the rest of the country is is looking for economic growth and how much economic growth opportunity there is in agriculture and that there's money in agriculture and the livestock show and rodeo teaches young people. Raising a calf, raising a goat, raising uh, chickens. And, you know, there were so many kids I went to school with that that's where they first got into farming was FFA, which is a great organization to teach kids about responsibility, to teach them about business, to teach them about commitment, because you got to feed this thing. you gotta, you got to show this thing. There's a lot of time that goes into it. Anyway, I'm very high on the Houston Livestock Show on Rodeo. They've been big supporters of our show. When we opened the Redneck Country Club – a lot of their committees started moving their committees over there, and they've continued to this day. And it's it's the best people. The, the committee men for the rodeo are the best men and women that this community has to offer, bar none. They're small business owners. They're teachers. They're, they're veterans. They're great people. So that is next Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. Make your plans and, uh, and go have a blast because it's fun. The Michael Berry Show. Oh, Michael Berry. Well, it took me a woman late last night. I was three-fourths drunk. She looked all right. Till she started peeling off her onion gook She took off her wig, said, how do I look? I was high-flying, bare-naked Out the window Well, sometimes I might get drunk Walk like a duck and smell like a skunk Don't hurt me none, don't hurt my pride Cause I got my little lady right by my side She's trying to hide Pretending she don't know me I was out there painting on the old woodshed When a can of black paint, it fell on my head I went down to scrub and rub But I had to sit in back of the tub Cost a quarter Half price Telephone rang, it would not stop this President Kennedy calling me up. He said, my friend Bob, what do we need to make the country grow? I said, my friend John, Bridget Bardo, Anita Ickberg, Sophia Lauren, country will grow. To the phone lines we go. Um, I got an update from... Ramon's family, he they have hospitalized him, but hopefully it is just to uh, do tests. 
and that means that he's in the right place. So um, prayers for our good friend Ramon Robles. Hope all is well, and um, maybe just got a false reading. We we will see, and I will keep you informed uh, if we know. Please don't text him because uh, we had a problem once before from very well-meaning people who know Ramon and have his cell phone number and all sent him a get well wish and his phone blew up and he thought something must be wrong with his child and so interrupted his medical uh, procedure to check his phone. So if you would, just hold tight. I'll be the first to tell you when when we get good news on him. So thank you for your interest. Sid, you're on the Michael Berry Show. Go ahead. Yes, Michael. Uh, God bless uh, Ramon. Hope everything works out. Yes, sir. Uh, I was on uh, with Southeastern Lumber back in the 70s, and uh, Gardner Parker, I don't know if you know him. I know Gardner. Ex. Yeah, he, uh, he did uh, Frank Berenger, Southeastern Lumber, all the accounting for when he was a first in winning. Anyway, he talked us in again uh, into a barbecue cook-off first year, had 55 teams. And there was nothing but Weber cookers and, you know, small things. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> hibachis. A yeah, yeah, hibachis. There was, there was actual hibachi out there. And uh, we had we had a good time. And the second year, they, it was 90 teams. And they said, that's it. That's it. That's too big. we got to cut it off there. Right? But we just did it the first two years. Uh, Earl Campbell was on our team the second year. But it was it was a great time. I mean, but nowadays it's like 425 teams, and there's the cookers are are like a million dollar. You know, it'll be oh man, they, they're they're serious. Oh uh, yeah, it's big time, and it's it's, it's just if somebody has just got to Texas, like you say, Houston. They got to go out there. If they don't, they're missing. It'd be one of the best times they ever had. It'll blow their mind. It's just, uh, it's just a great, great. It's our Mardi Gras time here. It is. That, that's that's, that's a that's a good way to say it. Yeah, it is. So I just want to. God bless uh, Ramon. I hope everything works out. And, and uh, go go out to the rodeo, folks. You're gonna have a good time. Yes, Keep indeed. It. Well, thank you, Sid. Great organization. A lot of fun. And I would tell you, if if you're new to Houston or the greater Houston area, you'd be out in Waller um, uh, or Winnie or. Um, welder or the woodlands or wherever and drive in uh get yourself on a committee because you will meet uh new friends it's like it's like and it's like being in a fraternity i didn't do fraternity but it's like being in a fraternity without with you're not in college anymore you'll make friends it'll be friends of yours for years and there's all these committees and they all have funny names um but there's there are lots of opportunities to get involved. It's service-oriented. You'll meet other people while you're serving. You'll do some good, um, and you'll have a lot of fun. It's it's a good way, especially you guys out there that are young in your career, trying to trying to make it, trying to meet more people. Eventually, you're gonna you're gonna need to sell something to somebody, or do a deal with somebody, or get hired by somebody. And learning how I hate the word network because it's abused because people that go to happy hours and drink themselves silly think they're networking and that's the, the stupid. But learning how to develop friendships, cultivate friendships, maintain friendships, enrich friendships, and rodeo is very very good at that. 
while you think you're out there just having a good time, you're actually learning uh, some professional skills, social skills that you would not have expected, and you can learn from some of the people out there. There's a lot of guys walking around out there spitting uh, uh, the red man juice out or driving a golf cart that, you know, he's got a big belly and a redneck accent. That guy's made more money than any other 10 people you're going to meet this week, and he can tell you a thing or two about doing business if you just listen. Um, And there's a lot of those guys out there. You would never know it, never know it. All right, to the phone lines we go. Uh, Holt, Holt, you're on the Michael Berry Show. Thank you, Mr. Berry, for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, I, I just wanted to hit on the uh, this hog uh, deal that's going on. Uh, when I was in high school as a, as a junior, me and some friends of mine, we weren't working. We needed a way to find some money, so we put it at our, at our own Craigslist, saying that we would come to people's property and we would try to take care of their hog problem. We made buku money we killed the hogs and basically spread it around our families you know for meat and stuff like that but i really believe the commercial to commercialize hogs or hog hunting i think that's a big mistake and i I think that it's it's just opening up a whole another can of worms with you know epa and and all these other different organizations that the government has I, i just think it's a big mistake well, I'm gonna pass that along. Holt, what do you do? Uh, I I drive a semi truck, and on the weekends I go out to our deer lease and I hog hunt. <laughs> How many hogs will you kill this weekend? Uh, this weekend, maybe one or two. I mean, we've kind of got them pretty thinned out. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we've got them pretty thinned out. But I mean, I, I don't. I think, to me personally, I think it. If, if parents or, or fathers even that, you know, even if you're not an avid hunter, you know, it's it's a recreational sport that um, that shows discipline as well as you know it, it's bonding time. And if if your child won't get out from in front of the TV, what better way to do it than say, hey, you can go do this and make money doing it too? Yeah, stick them in, stick them in the deer. I mean, yeah, stick them in the hog blind. Um, uh, definitely. I'll tell you though, those buggers are smart. It's oh, interesting yeah. when they when they whiff when the if if they're downwind from you, you got a tough road to hoe because that when the wind comes across you and they catch that smell, they don't hesitate. Boom! And once one of them moves, oh my goodness! It's incredible how fast when one of them senses something's wrong, they just scatter. Yeah, funny story with that. Um, I want to say about probably eight years ago uh i went out on a lease with a friend of mine that needed help putting up some uh feeders and and thinning out some hogs we ran we ran across on our four wheelers uh we ran across the back of the back of the property uh we're setting up a uh, deer feeder and this uh, you saw like baby hogs we almost thought they were javelinas they were just small and a buddy of mine he goes we need we need to start running back towards a four-wheeler and i was like what are you talking about and all of a sudden you just you can hear it just snorting and and you can feel the ground shaking and he goes they said they get you that's it they, said, they will get you and they, they're they're relentless the michael berry show
Well, life on the farm is kind of laid back. Ain't much an old country boy like me can't hack. It's early to rise, early in the sack. Thank God I'm a country boy. Well, a simple kind of life never did me no harm. Raising me a family and working on the farm. My days are all filled with an easy country charm. Thank God I'm a country boy. Well, I got me a fine wife. I got me old fiddle. When the sun's coming up, I got cakes on the griddle. And life ain't nothing but a funny, funny riddle. Thank God I'm a country boy. When the work's all done and the sun sets low, pull out my fiddle and I rosin up the boat. The kids are asleep. President Trump is firing them up at CPAC. He's speaking right now. Callers, hold right there. We'll get back to you. But let's dip in uh, to his comments live at CPAC right now. Chris, you able to pull that up? We'll just uh, check in for just a moment. And uh, <clears throat> so here we go. Not that I'm a fan of Bernie, but a lot of Bernie people voted for Trump. You know why? Because he's right on one issue, trade. He was right about trade. Our country is being absolutely devastated with bad trade deals. So he was right about that. But we got a lot of Bernie support. So actually, I like Bernie. Okay? I like Bernie. <laughs> But I'm here today to tell you what this movement means for the future of the Republican Party and for the future of America. First, we need to define what this great, great unprecedented movement is and what it actually represents. The core conviction of our movement is that we are a nation that put and will put its own citizens first. jobs to other countries. So terrible. We've defended other nations' borders while leaving ours wide open. Anybody can come in. Oh, we're going to build the wall. Don't worry about it. We're building the wall. We're building the wall. In fact, it's going to start soon. Way ahead of schedule. Way ahead of schedule. Way, way, way ahead of schedule. It's going to start very soon. General Kelly, by the way, has done a fantastic job. Fantastic job he's done. And remember, we are getting the bad ones out. These are bad dudes. We're getting the bad ones out. Okay? We're getting the bad. If you watch these people, it's like, oh, gee, that's so sad. We're getting bad people out of this country. People that shouldn't be, whether it's drugs or murder or other things, we're getting bad ones out. Those are the ones they go first, and I said it from day one. Basically, all I've done is keep my promise. We've spent trillions of dollars overseas while allowing our own infrastructure to fall into total disrepair and decay. In the Middle East, we've spent, as of four weeks ago, $6 trillion. Think of it. 
And by the way, the Middle East is in what? I mean, it's not even close. It's in much worse shape than it was 15 years ago. If our presidents would have gone to the beach for 15 years, we would be in much better shape than we are right now. That I can tell you. Be a hell of a lot better. We could have rebuilt our country three times with that money. This is the situation that I inherited. I inherited a mess, believe me. We also inherited a failed health care law that threatens our medical system with absolute and total catastrophe. Now, I've been watching, and nobody says it, but Obamacare doesn't work, folks. It's, I mean, I could say, I could talk. It doesn't work. And now people are starting to develop a little warm heart. But the people that you're watching, they're not you. They're largely, many of them, are the side that lost. You know, they lost the election. It's like, how many elections do we have to have? They lost the election. But I always say, Obamacare doesn't work. And these same people, two years ago and a year ago, were complaining about Obamacare. And the bottom line, we're changing it. We're going to make it much better. We're going to make it less expensive. We're going to make it much better. Obamacare covers very few people. And remember, deduct from the number all of the people that had great health care that they loved that was taken away from them. It was taken away from them. Millions of people were very happy with their health care. They had their doctor. They had their plan. Remember the lie? 28 times. You can keep your doctor. You can keep your plan over and over and over again. You heard it. So we're going to repeal and replace Obamacare. And I tell Paul Ryan and all of the folks that we're working with very hard, Dr. Tom Price, very talented guy. But I tell them, from a purely political standpoint, the single best thing we can do is nothing. Let it implode completely. It's already imploding. You see the carriers are all leaving. I mean, it's a disaster. But two years don't do anything. The Democrats will come to us and beg for help. They'll beg, and it's their problem. But it's not the right thing to do for the American people. It's not the right thing to do. We inherited a national debt that has doubled in eight years. Think of it, $20 trillion. It's doubled. And we inherited a foreign policy marked by one disaster after another. We don't win anymore. When was the last time we won? Do we win a war? Do we win anything? Do we win anything? We're going to win. We're going to win big, All right. folks. We're, We're going to take a quick break, people. and if uh, President Trump is still speaking, we may dip back into that. And we'll take more of your calls. Open Line Friday coming up. The Michael Berry Show. You mean... 
President Trump is speaking to uh, CPAC right now. They've just cheered uh, discussion of America first, law enforcement, border enforcement, and withdrawal from the Trans-Pacific Partnership. So tweets Melissa McKenzie. We'll dip into that speech for a few moments right now. But with the Keystone, so they spend hundreds of millions of dollars with bloodsucker consultants, you know, sucking the blood out of the company. Don't worry. I used them all my life, okay? Don't worry. We're going to get it approved. I'm connected. I'm a lobbyist. Don't worry. Bottom line, Obama didn't sign it, right? Could be 42,000 jobs somewhere around there. A lot of jobs. Didn't sign it. But can you imagine? He gave up a year ago. It was dead. Now he's doing nothing. Calling his wife. Hello, darling. I'm a little bored. You know that pipeline? That has killed us. That has killed our company. Knock, knock. Mr. So-and-so. The Keystone Pipeline, sir, out of nowhere, has just been approved. Now, now, can you imagine the expression? And you know the sad part? Those same blood-sucking consultants that hit him for all the money and failed, they're now going to go back to him and say, didn't we do a great job? We want more money, right? Because that's the way the system works. A little bit off. But that's the way the system works. We're preparing bold action to lift the restrictions on American energy, including shale oil, natural gas, and beautiful, clean coal, and we're going to put our miners back to work. Miners are going back to work. Miners are going back to work, folks. Sorry to tell you that, but they're going back to work. We have begun a historic program to reduce the regulations that are crushing our economy. Crushing. And not only our economy, crushing our jobs, because companies can't hire. We're going to put the regulation industry out of work and out of business. And by the way, I want regulation. I want to protect our environment. I want regulations for safety. I want all of the regulations that we need, and I want them to be so strong and so tough. But we don't need 75% of the repetitive, horrible regulations that hurt companies, hurt jobs, make us non-competitive overseas with other companies from other countries that we don't need. But we're going to have regulations. It's going to be really strong and really good, and we're going to protect our environment, and we're going to protect the safety of our people and our workers, okay? Another major promise is tax reform. We are going to massively lower taxes on the middle class, reduce taxes on American business, and make our tax code more simple and much more fair for everyone, including the people and the business.
In anticipation of these and other changes, jobs are already starting to pour back into our country. You see that. In fact, I think I did more than any other pre-president. They say president-elect. President-elect is meeting with Ford. He's meeting with Chrysler. He's meeting with General Motors. I just want to save a little time. <laughs> because Ford and Fiat Chrysler, General Motors, Sprint, Intel, and so many others are now, because of the election result, making major investments in the United States, expanding production, and hiring more workers. And they're going back to Michigan, and they're going back to Ohio, and they're going back to Pennsylvania, and they're going back to North Carolina, and to Florida. It's time for all Americans to get off of welfare and get back to work. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. You are going to love it. We're also putting in a massive budget request for our beloved military. And we will be substantially upgrading all of our military, all of our military, offensive, defensive, everything, bigger and better and stronger than ever before. And hopefully, we'll never have to use it. But nobody's going to mess with us, folks. Nobody. It will be one of the greatest military buildups in American history. No one will dare question, as they have been, because we're very depleted, very, very depleted. Sequester. Sequester. Nobody will dare question our military might again. We believe in peace through strength, and that's what we will have. As part of my pledge to restore safety for the American people, I have also directed the defense community to develop a plan to totally obliterate ISIS. Working with our allies, we will eradicate this evil from the face of the Earth. At the same time, we fully understand that national security begins with border security. Foreign terrorists will not be able to strike America if they cannot get into our country. And by the way, take a look at what's happening in Europe, folks. Take a look at what's happening in Europe. I took a lot of heat on Sweden. <laughs> and then a day later, I said, has anybody reported what's going on? And it turned out that they didn't, not too many of them did. Take a look. Take a look at what happened in Sweden. I love Sweden. Great country, great people. I love Sweden. But they understand I'm right. The people over there understand 
I'm right. Take a look at what's happening in Sweden. Take a look at what's happening in Germany. Take a look at what's happened in France. Take a look at Nice and Paris. I have a friend. He's a very, very substantial guy. He loves the City of Lights. He loves Paris. For years, every year during the summer, he would go to Paris. All right, we're going to have to hold off on the substantial guy. And we will uh, check back and see if uh, he's still speaking. I suspect he will be when we come back. And if it's interesting, we'll stay with him. If not, we'll get to your calls. Those of you on hold, hang with us. We'll still get to you. It's Open Line Friday on The Michael Berry Show. It's that time. Lock and load. The Michael Berry Show is on the air. President Trump is speaking before CPAC, and some of the crowd is yelling, Lock her up because he mentioned Hillary. Okay. All right. Uh, we will we will check in on that uh, speech uh, for a moment and then get back to your calls. You know, we haven't been as a group given credit for this. But if you look at how much bigger our party has gotten during this cycle, during the uh, early days when we had 17 people running the primaries, Millions and millions of people were joining. Now, I won't say it was because of me, but it was, okay? (laughs) And we have an amazing, strong, powerful party that truly does want to see America be great again, and it will see it, and it's going to see it a lot sooner than you think, believe me, a lot sooner than you think. We will not answer to donors or lobbyists or special interests, but we will serve the citizens of the United States of America, believe me. Global cooperation, dealing with other countries, getting along with other countries is good. It's very important. But there is no such thing as a global anthem, a global currency, or a global flag. This is the United States of America that I'm representing. I'm not representing the globe. I'm representing your country. There's one allegiance that unites us all, and that is to America. America. It's the allegiance to America. No matter our background or income or geography, we're all citizens of this blessed land. And no matter our color or the blood, the color of the blood we bleed, It's the same red blood of great, great patriots. Remember, 
great patriot. We all salute with pride the same American flag, and we all are equal, totally equal, in the eyes of Almighty God. We're equal. And I want to thank, by the way, the evangelical community, the Christian community, communities of faith, rabbis and priests and pastors, ministers, because the support for me was a record, as you know, not only in terms of numbers of people, but percentages of those numbers that voted for Trump. So I want to thank you folks. I was amazing. An ama amazing outpouring. And I will not disappoint you. As long as we have faith in each other and trust in God, then there is no goal at all beyond our reach. There is no dream too large, no task too great. We are Americans, and the future belongs to us. The future belongs to all of you. And America is coming about, and it's coming back, and it's roaring, and you can hear it. It's going to be bigger and better. It, it is going to be. It is going to be. Remember. And it's roaring. It's going to be bigger and better and stronger than ever before. I want to thank you and Matt and Mercedes. I want to thank the two of you and all of the supporters that I have. I see them. They're all over the place. You are really great people. I want to thank you. And I want to say to you, God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. Thank you, folks. Thank you. Thank you. All right, there you have it. To the phone lines we go. Colin, you're on the Michael Berry Show. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Michael. Love your show. Thank you. I used to work as a uh, container hauler, I guess about 07. You were you were talking about the uh, commercialization of the, the feral hogs. Uh -huh. Well, we used to haul containers out to a meat processing plant in Divine, Texas, is south of San Antonio. And we would have several containers all the time. And uh, what they would do, they would buy the feral hogs from whoever. And they had USDA. It's a clean facility. It's, you know, modern facility. And they would load those containers, and we would take them to the port, and they would set sail for Germany. And uh, we had a contract, and we did them all the time. They said that the, the people at the plant, said that they couldn't keep up because the Germans loved that uh, wild boar. So that's interesting. So so the the hogs were transported by the hunters 
to your to yeah, the facility they was, where you they were, yeah the processing yeah I, I would see them when I was at the docks they'd be in cattle trailers or whatever and they would herd them up like any other processing plant they herd them up the ramps single file and they had that thing like on uh that, that thing like on that movie. And, you know, they killed them humanely. They they shot them in the head. Boop. And uh, they, they gave us a tour of the plant. They used to give us wild boar meat and everything. Yeah. We'd bring back to Houston and have a barbecue. Yeah, but, but was the hog being killed on site? Yeah, it was like any other meat processing plant. Okay, but it They'd was... But, but it's, live. its origin was it was a feral hog uh, that was trapped and brought in. Yes, yeah, they were live. They had to be live. Yeah, they they told us all about it. This was probably oh seven. You know, no, no, I've heard there are that. those operations. I just, I, I, I don't have any sense of the scope. You know, how how big an operation it could be a, they, a, a specialty they told boutique. They couldn't keep up. They worked every day. Hmm. Well, I, I and they had they had a lot of butchers there. That's all they did, day in day out. Well, I. I'm not an expert on the matter. I just know uh, a couple of issues to flag, and one of them is how long has the meat, you know, how long has the animal been dead, and and under what conditions was it kept after it was dead? You, you can't leave it outside in the in the heat, and then throw it on a nice chest right before you bring it. In. I, I don't know. Uh, it's an interesting concept. The marketplace is going to find an answer to the feral hog problem. That's for sure. The Michael Berry Show. Mr. Airoli lives on the banks of Lake Arthur, where your windshield gets foggy, where your back roads unwind. It's a long way from Shreveport, not too far from Gaydon, and it's close to the home. That I left behind. It's close to the home that I left behind. Mr. Errol's a father, he's a farmer, he's a hunter, and he talks to the ducks and the geese in the blind. He works hard for the lives that he hopes to make better, and he lives by the graveyard of the rusted combine. Yeah, he lives by the graveyard of the rusted combine. He held my hand. When my boots got too heavy With the mud from the rice field Coming to my behind We set out the decoys In the dark on the levee And we walked through the graveyard Of the rusted combine Yeah, we walked through the graveyard Of the rusted combine There's coffee and biscuits On the stove in the kitchen There's a crack in the ceiling There's a screened-in front door And the fog starts to settle on the banks of Lake Arthur, I can still taste the whiskey from the night just before. It's a Crown Royal whiskey from the night just before. And it's hard to get up at five in the morning. Put your guns, put your shells, put your wine in a sack. We look like some militia with our boots and our camo. With a bird dog named Milo, he's asleep in the back. He held my hand when my boots got too heavy. With the mud from the rice field coming to my behind We set out the decoys in the dark on the levee 
And we walk through the graveyard of the rusted combine. Yeah, we walk through the graveyard of the rusted combine. That's about Mr. Errol. He was Southwest Louisiana Rice Farmer of the Year two years in a row. There's another version where he tells the whole story, but we can't play it as a bump because it would take too long. My buddy Holmes says it is illegal as hell to triple T wild swine without permits and rags on sites. He said these stories are all based on swine that appear to be wild, but has actually been trapped, raised, and checked. Triple T of swine from ranches to ranches is illegal, but it is done daily by people just using it for their own personal, using it for their own uh, uh, their own food supply. You know, the, I, I'm a big believer in the marketplace, and this is an example where um, the marketplace is an imperfect solution in a completely libertarian model. Um, because if a hog is brought in by some guy and it's brought to a facility, the hog is dead already. So you can't test it. You can't check it. You can't do what I, I, I don't know, but I'm sure some genius at Texas A&M has figured out a way to pull blood and check saliva or feces or something from a hog maybe test their skin or all sorts of other things, and in 30 seconds tell you if that hog is contaminated or not, if that hog is safe to eat. There's some genius at A&M, and I don't mean that facetiously. He is a genius uh, in his field who's figured out how to do that. And so there has to be a way. I suspect there is a way that they can do that. And if they can't, then they're not going to allow that product uh, into the stores and and there is a place for the government to provide the basic education, information, and framework within which people who want to make a living doing this, getting these hogs, uh, where, where they can make a living and still comply with standards that we all agree we want to make sure is is followed. Because you and I don't know when we buy, you know, a cellophane-wrapped, piece of meat we don't know where that meat has been what has happened and even with all the strict fda regulations how often do you see salmonella cropping up uh in in the chicken supply it just happens you're talking about livestock here so i i don't know the answer i'm not an expert on it i don't claim to be an expert on it there are people who know a lot more than i do but I do have a certain amount of faith in the uh, AgriLife Extension Service that uh, Texas A&M runs and the people there, and they have a great reputation. And I think that with input from farmers and and hunters and processing facilities and scientists, they're going to find an answer for this where the marketplace um, where the marketplace steps in. I don't buy the idea that they're all stupid and idiots and and that's the reason I don't buy that. It it may turn out to be true. I can tell you that most of our alcohol regulations, the three-tiered system and all sorts of other things over the years were because 
uh, not because of idiocy, but because of industry involvement to snuff out the small guy, most of which, a lot of which has been peeled back over the last few years. That's why you're seeing uh, breweries popping up. And, uh, you know, you look at Carbach or St. Arnold's or uh, one of these guys and, and how they're popping up and, and how they're succeeding. And now they're putting big money into it. The big boys are getting involved. AB buying out Carbach. That's because now pe- because people want to pull up and drink a beer right next to where it's made. And they want to look at those big tanks. And this is cool. And this is neat. And I don't know if it's a trend or long term, but there's there's obviously money there. So I think there will be a solution that will be provided by the marketplace with some guidance from people who understand uh, keeping a good food supply. And uh, I'll leave it at that. I, I don't claim to be uh, to, to know anything more than that. Roland, you're up. Go ahead. Yes, sir. I was just going to comment on the hog deal. Uh, we uh, trap them and sell them live up here in Bryan. And, uh, How do you trap them? We trap them. Uh, well, we have just steel traps, that, you know, cage traps. Like it's a big circular cage and, you, and it drops down? Well, we can't afford those yet. So. <laughs> we use the old square type with the guillotine door. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so you so you so you're just closing the door. Yes, sir. We we you know bait the trap, uh, and then it has a trip wire on it. And after so many get in, it trips. You know, one of them hits the wire, and the gate comes uh, down behind them. So, and uh, but we sell them live, and it's my understanding that the the meat is processed in California and sent overseas. Uh, hmm. That's. How many? How many need to be in in the cage before you uh, shut the door? Well, they actually trip it. You know, it's it's a wire that's way up in the front, and we put corn all the way from the door all the way in, so they eat it like a fuse. You know, they'll start at the back, and so uh, I don't know if you've ever seen any video, but they'll oh, file yeah. in there yeah. like yeah. <laughs> like you've heard pigs do it. Well, it's yeah, but I, I, I th- there's one piece of equipment, and obviously it's not cheap. Um, I think it was about ten thousand dollars. But it um, it sits up in the air about four or five feet, and once they're in there, it allows them to all come in toward a central feeder, and mm-hmm. and then you, they put you a, a you know simple little camera on there, and then when you hit it, yeah, the whole thing drops around them. So it's like a net system, except it's a cage, and and the idea was if you can't get out there quickly, you know, if if it's more remote part of your farm. You just yeah. hit that, and then you got them in there. But it, you the know, that's science ex- behind that is that um, you know hogs can't look up, right? Right. And so they don't see the danger from above. They are very trap smart. I mean, the big ones are hard to get in there. We make uh, circular traps too that go around. We just spent them, you know, about a quarter of an acre, and we make it uh, make it spiral in where you just keep they keep having to go through a, a lane. Uh huh. And and we've caught as many as forty or fifty in there at a time. Wow! And uh, like I say, the other thing I was going to tell you too is R- Roland. Hold, hold on, just a minute. Hold on, just sure. a minute. I always like people who, in the middle of their story, go like I say, like I say that. That's how you know he knows things. Captain Sum Ting Wong. Well, something must be right. You're listening to Michael Berry.
Really don't mind if you sit this one out My words but a whisper, your deafness, a shout I may make you feel but I can't make you think Your sperm's in the gutter, your love's in the sink So you ride yourselves over the fields And you make all your animal deals And your wise men don't know how it feels You'd be thick as a brick Before we get back to the phone calls, um, wanted to address something, and I'm not, I'm not trying to divide our audience or be overly controversial, but this has been needing to be addressed for some time, and I cannot let it. I cannot uh, continue to ignore it. It flared up last night. Um, and so I suppose now is as good a time as any. Um, I'd say I apologize if anybody's offended, but I, I'm not actually apologizing um, because I feel like I'm right on this issue and I've given it a lot of thought and um, I stand by my statements. And if you want to leave the show because of it, then so be it. Uh, I'm not trying to be an ass. I'm just saying uh, I, I'm not going to pander to opinions or approaches that I don't agree with. So um, do with this what you want. I, uh, When I got off the air last night, uh, the, kid, uh, the kids had a track meet, and so I wasn't able to see the track meet because we were on the air. I saw the first hour of the track meet, and I came and did the show, and um, my little nephew um, who came and lived with us during the summer, every summer, from the time he was nine, and he's almost bit, he was almost our kid before we had kids very close to him, and uh, he's built a, a little law firm, and they're doing very, very well, and last night was their big opening, so I went to that, and there were only finger foods there, and at the end of that, I was hungry, and it was on Kirby near 59, so I popped in on uh, one of Levi Good's places. And I decided I was short on time. I wanted to eat and get home so I could see the kids before they fell asleep. And so I ordered nachos. And the nachos came as individual nachos. I think there were 12 of them. I devoured every one of them. And they were individual nachos not stacked on each other. I don't know where somebody got the idea um, out there, some of you won't like this, that you make nachos by first piling chips on a plate and then piling cheese and then piling meat. By the way, always fajita meat, never hamburger. Then piling meat and then piling jalapenos and... Um, sour cream and guac. Why on earth would you do that? 
That is the equivalent of putting a bun top and bottom on a plate and then the hamburger meat up on top of that. It just makes no sense. So most of the places were, oh, good, yeah, good got it right. They, as they usually do, they know food. Uh, they, they've had a few years to get this down, to perfect it, and they know what they're doing. But so many places out there, and you know what I'm talking about, don't understand that you. there is actually a very good, it is not Gringos or Jimmy Changa, so don't think I'm talking about them. Uh, in fact, I don't know that I've ever mentioned their name on the air, so you don't have to wonder if I'm secretly insulting somebody. I'm not. And the point is simply to say there's a very good Tex-Mex restaurant. We are fortunate. We have a lot of good Tex-Mex restaurants around this community. Um, but there, there's a very good one that gets this wrong, and so I just don't eat their their uh, nachos. I eat their uh, cheese enchiladas and steak meat enchiladas, which are great. But anyway. I don't understand why people that know food, if they've ever eaten nachos like this, why on earth they would eat nachos, why why they would ever eat their own nachos and think it's good. Because what ends up happening is now you have to build your own nachos, which means you pull a chip from the bottom, which by this time is usually soggy because everything is dripped to the bottom. You pull a chip from the bottom and then... You do all the work. You bag your own grocery. You have to go get you some cheese and go get you some meat, go get you some sour cream, and then put you jalapeno on the top. And by the by, the time you're done, you look like a kid that's been finger painting. And now you eat this broken down, half-assed nacho, and you only eat the chips on the top because the ones at the bottom are already soggy. And then you eat through the few of those. And by the way, when you pull the chips out, everything spills out. So now you don't even have a nacho anymore. The point of a nacho is the chip, then the cheese on top, then the meat on that. And then I don't mind applying, because you had to cook it, you had to put it in the oven. I don't mind applying the sour cream and the jalapenos on top. Although you can put the jalapenos there for me if you want already. I can take them off if I don't want them and just have the juice there, but you should eat the, the jalapenos. Anyway, uh, that's my tribute to a nacho done right because too few people do nachos right. And to repeat, so we're all clear, the nachos should be standalone nachos. I'd rather have 12 good nachos than 40 that were 40 chips with a bunch of stuff dumped on top. You don't just take the chips that you take to a – to a table and then pour stuff on top. That's not a nacho. A not you build those nachos individually in the back. Chip, cheese, and then you cook it. And don't make if the if I can't pick up the nacho on the side and lift it up and it doesn't have structural integrity. If I have to have another hand to lay under the nacho because it's flopping around, that's not a nacho. That's some other thing from some other country. Let me leave it at that. We're gonna talk to a veteran who happens to be Bum Phillips' grandson, about a business idea and an event that's going on tomorrow called VetBizBattle.com that I'm emceeing for the second year in a row that's fantastic. I'll tell you about it coming up. The
Bob. To be alone with you, just you and me. Now won't you tell me the truth? Ain't that the way it ought to be? To hold each other tight the whole night through. Everything is always right. You know who that is singing? It's actually Bob Dylan, as you've never heard him. 69 or 70, Chris? 69. Skyline. Oh, interesting. All right. Uh, I'm doing something really neat tomorrow, and it is veteran-related. And I've told you about it several times over the last couple of months. What I love about it is it marries two things that I care passionately about, and that is our veterans and entrepreneurism. It's called vetbizbattle.com. And um, what it is, I'm going to just pull up their website. What it is, is this great group of people um, got together. They're entrepreneurs and they are involved with Rice University's business and MBA program. And they help veterans who've come out uh, get money, uh, startup capital to take their businesses to the next level. I mean, some of these guys have a food truck. Some of them have a concept that's not even a food truck yet. One of them had a a GPS system for boats. Uh, I mean, they they go from high tech to the lowest tech, and they'll hand out over a million dollars tomorrow night. I get to emcee it for the second year in a row, and it is a really neat deal. It is a really, really neat deal. It's one of my favorite things that I get to do in the course of a year, and that's why I came back to do it. And one of the veterans who will be there to, uh, tomorrow with his business idea, frankly, got my attention because he sent me an email and said, "I'm Bum Phillips' grandson." And I called Pastor and he goes, "Yep, and he's also a veteran." Why didn't he tell me that? Brandon Reeves is our guest. Brandon, I just have a few minutes. Tell me about your concept that that will be uh, discussed tomorrow night. Yeah, Michael, thank you for taking the time. Um, we're excited about competing for the investment. Um, our, our company, Farm Force. Uh, we have the old Comet Rice Mill downtown. Uh, yeah. We're trying to retrofit into a modern farming uh, commercial. Now, where where exactly is it? Uh, off Clinton Street. Um, uh, if you know where the old KBR yeah, yeah, yeah. is, that they're gonna they're gonna. Did you buy into, that you know, from Mike Garver? No, no, but Mike Barber's ironically is right down the street. His office is right no, 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 not Mike Barber that used to play for oh. the Oilers. Mike Garver used to own a, oh. a lot of that old land right around that. Anyway, all right. No, not no. Uh, my, my partner's owned the rice mill for, for about okay. ten years, and it's been a community garden there, serving Fifth Ward. Yep. And we're trying to keep that keep that spirit going, and we're trying to turn that location into a veterans farming training camp. So not only are we trying to provide them jobs commercially through modern technology and train them on that modern technology, which is it's the future of farming. It's the future of our society, um, considering we're going to have $9.5 billion, uh, coming soon. And, and the important thing here in Texas is we're, we're going to lose half of our farmers that are right around right. the age of 65 in the next couple of decades. And but this is not a nonprofit. This is a business. Where, where do you all make Correct. the money? We, we make the money um, by producing food faster, cleaner, uh, more efficiently, locally. Um, to provide for our local restaurants, uh, distribution centers. Um, ideally, uh, if our rice mills retrofitted the way we want, we can produce 
uh, over 2 million pounds of, uh, of vegetables uh, about in herbs? that 95,000 square foot oh, facility. Could y'all grow herbs if, if that was necessary? Yeah. We, we, we grow what, what's needed and what, what's needed to keep people healthy um, yes. and, and, and keep people from having, uh, you know, to have pesticides and, and other toxic stuff in their food. And that's the whole so, thing is, is the, the, the nature of which y'all are going. I'm, I'm hearing there's going to be a huge market for um, uh, agribusiness in Texas for locally owned medicinal herbs in the next couple of years. So y'all would be able to correct. ramp up and, with it. Yeah. Ironically, uh, our systems engineer uh, included me on the, in a meeting in the medical center uh, between indoor harvest and uh, uh, Alamo cannabinoid and Biopharm, a biopharmaceuticals company. We're talking to doctors and giving them the information on how cannabinoids um, affect PTSD, cancer. And I'll tell you what, Michael, there was a room full of doctors from MD Anderson Cancer Center um, across the board, and I was blown away at you know, at the data. It, it, there's some amazing stuff coming down the pipes, and it really does affect veterans and PTSD coming down the road. Um, so I hear. So I hear. <laughs> so um, so your concept that you will be presenting tomorrow, do you have a specified amount you're asking the vet biz battle for? Um, we're looking to get the full operation going, especially our phase one, um, roughly around 500000 Okay. Is what we're looking for, and get us get us up and running, and and get vets trained in our systems, and start deploying them all over, you know, all over Houston. Some of our technology systems. Well, I would encourage uh, anyone who's interested in entrepreneurism and veterans. This program, the website is called Vet V E T Biz B I Z Battle Vet Biz Battle dot com. It's operated out of Rice University. It's it's investment capital for startup businesses that are veteran-owned. One of the guys last year that was profiled lost both of his legs to an IED in Iraq. And this guy, unbelievable. He's become a mentor to other people, and he's done very well. But they encourage guys like Brandon um, to start businesses, and they get them the capital they need. I mean, they, they take equity, and it's like a Shark Tank deal. But it it is... It is a it is a wonderful organization, and the guys that are involved, um, Rice Business is involved, but there are uh, Amogee Banks involved, Trumbull, SBA, um, VIBA, Houston Angel Network, Boyer and Miller Law Firm, uh, City of Houston is involved, uh, EO Entrepreneurs Organization. It's a great organization, and if you're interested, I don't know if they still have tables or anything for tomorrow night, but it's a fun evening. It's vetbizbattle.com. Brandon, uh, which branch did you serve in? I was in the Army. And when did you get out? Uh, I got out three years ago. So uh, I feel like I'm getting back in with this new mission, Well, getting I, veterans involved. I know you're gung-ho, and you got the passion. And uh, uh, being Bum Phillips' grandson is something that I think gives everybody the – Okay, I'll give you five minutes to make a pitch, if nothing else. <laughs> well, well he, you know he was a Marine Raider, and that, oh, yeah. that's what me and my grandfather shared as, as our time in combat. Oh, that, yeah. You know, was was special. I saw a picture of you being held by Coach and uh, <laughs> Wade Phillips standing by a few years ago, and it was uh, they're wearing tube socks up to their knees. Yeah, those, those coach shorts. Yes, yeah. indeed. Well, I look forward to shaking your hand tomorrow, uh, me too. you and a lot of other veterans. And thanks to all the guys 
some of whom are veterans, many of whom just wanted to help veterans get into business. You know, uh, by the way, I've already connected Brandon with uh, Camp Hope, um, and hopefully he'll be doing some things with them because one of our, our big goals for the guys at Camp Hope is once they get back on their feet and they get going is to start teaching them skills and trades and how to make a living and, and get back into society and, and start doing it. It all works together, folks. It all works together.